worship team, good worship. Well, take your Bibles out uh, and open to Hebrews 11, if you would, with me, and then open to 1 Samuel. I need to repent and apologize of something. I started out the first of the year reading out of the English Standard Version Bible, and I struggled. And I went to pray, in fact, uh, over somebody's and with somebody, and I took my little New Testament that's New King James, and the scripture just flowed out of my mouth as I was reading, and I thought, I've got to go back. I've, so I'm reading out of the New King James Version again, so forgive me if you went out and bought an English Standard Version Bible, or if you're sitting there thinking, I don't have no idea what you're talking about. That's okay. So I'm going to go through New King James uh, Version uh, today. Though I still read it, I still read English Standard, this is what um, I've liked. Now, my title the whole summer, we're going to do the Summer of the Prophets. We're going to go through the Old Testament. Other than next Sunday, Father's Day, I'm gonna, we're going to do Samson. He was a judge. Uh, but we're going to go through the prophets this summer. Uh, I wanted to kick off, in fact, last week I was away and I kicked off part of what I wanted to share about Samuel but it's so important that we kick off the summer of the prophets with Samuel because Samuel is, is going to show us to listen to God, to listen to the voice of God. So important that we kick off with him. So my title today is Speak, Lord. So I want to read these couple scriptures here, Hebrews chapter 11. And again, I'm going to read out of uh, the New King James um, Bible here, Hebrews 11. And I want to read verse 3 first, and it says these words, Hebrews eleven three, By faith we understand that the worlds, in fact, that's a Greek word is the word ages, that the worlds were framed by what? The word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things that are visible. So interesting as we're reading here that the writer of Hebrews reminds us, by faith, we understand that these ages all came about, they were framed, they were made by the word of God. So that the thing, the chair that you're sitting in right now used to be invisible, but because God spoke and other people create, you're sitting in a chair because God spoke those materials into being. That's something to get a hold of, isn't it? God said it, and it happened. Now, when we read down, as we were reading in um, a little bit later in Hebrews 11, this is where I want to pick up in verse 32. And I love this part because it lists Samuel and the prophets. And it's going to wrap up, but it says this, And what more can I say? They've already talked about all of these people that by faith followed God, and it says, For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of Jephthah, and also David and Samuel and the prophets. So li listen to the list that goes on next. It says, Who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, Stop the mouths of lions, quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made what? Strong. Became valiant in battle, turned 
to flight the armies of the aliens. Notice what it said. Samuel and the prophets had a play in the things that we just read. You know, I don't think any of you have quenched the mouth of a lion, have you? Hey, did that last Saturday. It was great. Had a great time. You've never done that before? You know, they throw you at L.A. Zoo. They throw you in the lion's cage and you stop. No, nobody's ever done that. Most of the time when we read through this, we'll identify, yeah, I was weak, but he made me strong. That's what we identify with. But the prophets and Samuel are added in here. So as we go and we look at the life of Samuel, I just want to pull out some little scriptures about him. Now, remember, we kicked off May. We kicked off May with Hannah, Samuel's mom. And I said this word, there's no Samuel unless there's a by faith Hannah. There was nobody in that time. In fact, it's really a time of national crisis in the land. There's nobody worshiping God. There's nobody bowing a knee. There's nobody calling out to God. The, the leader, in fact, uh, he probably, even though he was the high priest, he probably would have been a, a judge at the time. Eli is so far disconnected from the Lord, he's just kind of going through the motions. And his sons, we'll see in a minute, the Bible calls them worthless scoundrels. They're the runs running the church, right, of that day. The tabernacle, the temple, they're responsible. They are disconnected. And because they're disconnected, the people are disconnected. They're not calling out. To, so it's like almost when you read the Bible, that's what we see. They call out to God, they disconnect. They call out to God, they disconnect. And we would think that God would have said, all right, I had enough in Genesis 6 with Adam and Eve. But he went Genesis uh, 3, Genesis 6. With the flood, you would have thought he would have had enough. He just keeps going. The tower of it keeps going, keeps going, because he has this love for people. He doesn't want anybody to die without an opportunity to repent, to come to him. He's so long-suffering, the Bible says. But the people's hearts keep shifting and shifting and shifting. And so we could call it, it's a national crisis. But God is not done and he's not written off the Israelites. He's going to raise up somebody that's going to listen to his voice. You know, I could almost read the same thing about our time. We would think by the headlines that God's done with America. We would think that it's going a different direction, but we don't see as God sees. God never sees anything done. He always sees opportunities. He always looks down to us, and he'll, he'll say, hey, what are you doing, right? What are you doing? He's not done. He's not written us off, but he's, again, looking for people that are listening to his voice on what he would say. Here's a sad verse to read, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 at the end. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. The word of the Lord was rare. You know, we had um, in our city that we live, uh, hasn't happened in a few weeks, but we were having power outages. They usually send you a notice to let you know, hey, all day Saturday from 8 to 8, your power is going to be off at your house. What? You know, that's a lot. I remember one of the years, it was like one of those 113-degree days. What do they expect you to do? Go hang out at Yogurtland all day long? What are, you, I mean, what, are you, what are you supposed to do? Enough people had called and complained, but we still had the last several weeks, we've been having these power outages. The first one 
happened at about 11.30 one night. Was it a Saturday night? I'm sound asleep. In our house, I'm the first one in bed. I'm out. And what's funny was I didn't realize the power had gone off. I just realized somehow in my sleep that the fan went off that blows on my feet and my head. And I woke right up. Who turned the fan off? That's what I said. They're thinking, you're sound asleep. You were snoring. You were chopping wood. You were sawing lumber. And what do you mean the fan went off? The power went off. Well, you know what happens? I had, had tuned out the fan, but I knew it was on. And you just somehow subconsciously know. It wasn't that I was worried that the power went out. I was concerned because the fan went off. Somebody shut the fan off. Isn't it interesting what we tune into? That I'm so tuned in subconsciously that when a fan went off, I woke up. So as I was reading that verse, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days, I wrote this down. I'll say it for my life, and I'll say it for your life. Is the word of God rare in your life? Because we can read this and say, oh, look at these people. The word of God was rare. There was no vision. What are they talking about? All the things that God was doing in their midst. Well, we make it personal. Am I taking that time and listening for his voice? Is it rare in my life? What am I hearing these days? Because there's a lot of noise going on. Am I taking the time to silence the noise? To listen to the still, small voice. You know, um, you'll roll read it the next day or so. 1 Kings 18 uh, it's interesting when Elijah is taking on the prophets of Baal. And I love that scene. I won't get into it. I love that scene with, with Elijah because he's mocking them. They're crying out. They're cutting. They're, they're like in their own little mosh pit, cutting themselves with knives, calling out to God. And the scripture says this, Oh, Baal, answer us, they say. But then it says, But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the, the altar that they had made. There was what? No voice. No one answered. Why? There's no God. There's no God of Baal. It's a made up person. But today we serve a God that is a speaking God. He spoke this world into existence. He's given us these scriptures. And in this time, in this climate, what we read about Israel, he is speaking. They're just not listening. So... God is speaking, but even Eli is not listening. And the sons that should have been part of that Levitical bit of growing up, they're not listening to God either. And those guys, the Bible goes in and talks about that they're worthless. So here's Eli's role. He is the one that's supposed to be speaking on behalf of God, on receiving people's offerings to the Lord. His sons are eating your offering. That'd be like somebody is in your offering that they, you know, they go, I brought a $5 bill, you know, well, I'm going to trade it for that 20 No, that's evil, right? Don't do that. Well, these guys, as people would bring in their offering to sacrifice before the Lord, they're freely eating off of it. And in the Bible, it says that became an abomination to the Lord. The Bible speaks about how they were corrupt. They were worthless. And this is the one that is running the entire temple at the time first uh, Samuel chapter 2 verse 17 says therefore the sin of the young men was very great before who for their father Eli 
Now, what does it say? Before the Lord. Because all that we live is not to impress people. We live before the Lord. And for the men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Now, I mentioned this with Hannah. Hannah is in the temple and she's praying. In fact, if you read on there, she's mumbling and praying. And Eli doesn't even clue in that she's praying. Eli thinks she showed up drunk. He starts yelling at her. You know, there's a gentleman, uh, I haven't seen him uh, lately, but there's a gentleman that'll come in usually about 9.30 in here, and he'll sit where Pastor Sam is sitting, and he'll sit down, and he'll raise his hands up, and he starts to worship. Even if we have music going on, even if the worship team, he just will stop. And for him, when he sat down, worship is going on. It would be so rude if I walked up to him and said, hey, are, are you drunk? Did you put a little sippy in your coffee this morning? You got to cut that out before church. Eli is so disconnected that when somebody's praying and calling out to God, he doesn't even see it. But Hannah has a prayer and a vow before the Lord. And that this child that's going to be born, God's going to raise up to be the first prophet. You know, when we read about uh, Samuel, one of the things that we read about that's probably more heartbreaking than anything, if you remember the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant was in possession in the tabernacle temple. Well, it's stolen in battle. Now remember, God's throne is in heaven, but then on earth at that time in the tabernacle was the earthly throne of God. It's taken in battle. And though Eli hears that his sons were killed in battle, the minute he hears the ark was stolen is when he falls off the chair, breaks his neck, and dies. So think of that. He was responsible for the presence of God in that place, and it's taken. It's stolen away. So Samuel arriving is not coming at a great time. It's not like the ideal revival. To, oh, the church is going so great. We want to add the prophet Samuel. Uh, no, you want to keep the little guy away from the two boys, right? Don't let him get around Hopney and Phoenix. Those guys, don't, don't have them around them, and I'll keep them separated away. But here's what we read about Samuel. In fact, one of the things we know, his name in Hebrew means heard by God. Heard by God. It's one thing for God to speak to us. But it's another thing, are we that example too? Is God hearing from us. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 18. I love when I read this. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child. We know upon reading this, he probably doesn't know what he's doing. He obviously hasn't been trained what to do, but his heart was enough to where, as a very young boy, he would stop and he would minister to the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 21, the last part, it says, Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 26 says, And the child Samuel grew in stature and in favor with both the Lord and men. That reminds me of somebody in the New Testament. Oh yeah, it was Jesus at 12. Right? Very same thing was said about him. He was growing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. But the one scripture, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 19, says this. So Samuel grew 
And the Lord was with him. Now listen to what it says. And let none of his words fall to the ground. He let none of his words fall to the ground. You know, Samuel's going to have to learn to tune into the voice of God because he worships God but doesn't know the voice of God when God calls out to him. Ends up being four times. So you can worship God but not understand when God speaks. You can hear God and not know that it's God. He thought it was Eli. Eli's so disconnected from the voice of God that he doesn't know. He thinks the child's confused until the third time when he says, it's the Lord speaking to you. It's interesting when we read through that, that people that have experience in listening to the Lord know when the Lord's speaking to them. So if we want to hear God speak, we have to what? Listen. So I was reading this story. This couple went to a married uh, couple's event. They were talking about marriage counseling. And the subject kept coming up about marriage counseling. And the husband piped in and he says, we don't believe in marriage counseling. My wife graduated with a communications major. And I graduated with a major in theater arts. She communicates and I act like I'm listening. God's communicating. Or are we listening? You know, I'm a freshman at Maranatha High School. The school used to be across from In-N-Out. I can remember sitting in that history class, and my, uh, my teacher was Mr. Jack Green. I was sitting in the back. Not that I'm picking on the people in the back, but I'm sitting in the back, and I get my first test, and I failed. And I knew my mom was going to get me. But my teacher moved me back to the next class. I had a front row seat right in front of his lectern area. Do you know I ended up getting an A in that class? Because I'm really smart. You know, I listened so good. You know what it was? I wasn't distracted. And he used to say this. He used to go down the roads with grades. If you sit here, you get an A. Sit here, you get a B, a C, a D. And he said, the rest of you are lost. That's what he used to say. I had a coach that said that in college, too. I figured there's some, something. They all use that. I was sitting in the front row, in the front chair, listening to the same thing I heard in the back row, but I got an A. Why? I wasn't distracted. I had, I had no choice but to listen. I couldn't, you know, interact with my friends. I couldn't talk. I was in the very front row, but you know what? It paid off. I was listening. You know, you can have when your children are little and they're at a playground with a bunch of other kids. Isn't it interesting? You can hear your child's voice scream. And you think, there's 30 voices screaming. But you heard yours. Why? You tuned in to that voice. Psychologists tell us this. That 10% of the people you talk to are listening. Right? Think about that for a minute. 10% of the people that you talk to are really listening. 90% of the time, they're waiting for you to shut up so that they can talk. <laughs> Have you ever talked to anybody like that? And It's like you, you hesitate and they, they jump right in. Think of that, 10% of your conversation, sometimes people aren't even listening. We've gotten in a habit of wanting to talk and talk and talk and talk and throw our opinion in 
But we have to learn something like we learned from Samuel. Is Samuel's going to learn to listen to the voice of God. So God's going to raise him up. He's going to raise up Samuel in a time that seems ungodly to be a leader that leads to kings. And God's heart was never to have Israel have kings. God's heart would have been to have the prophet Samuel lead the people by the word of God. But because the people wanted a king, Samuel went and gave the first one King Saul, anointed him, and then later King David. But Samuel told the people that. They said, you want to be like, that was what they wanted. They wanted to be like every other nation. Every other nation has a king. And Samuel said, if you appoint a king, he's going to take your sons and daughters. He's going to build a military. He's going to have them serve in the house. He's going to take your vineyards. He's going to take 10% of your goods. He's going to take, 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 take. And you know what the people said? Let him take it. And they did. It was never God's heart. His heart was always to lead through Samuel by the word of the Lord. And we read that, uh, you can look at this later in Samuel 13. You can read that Saul is impatient, not waiting for Samuel, and goes ahead and offers his own sacrifice as if he's the high priest of the day. And it was that day that the Lord decided to make a change between King Saul and he was going to raise up another one. Because Saul was too impatient to wait for the prophet to come. I thought, when I read that, I thought again, I know I'm too impatient sometimes. Because I'm waiting to hear from God. But I'm not going to act unless he says so. I'm not going to jump unless he says so. I wanted to read this last verse, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. Because Samuel is learning, and that's one of the things in this, in hearing God... We're learning to tune into his voice, to listen to him. And so Samuel's now going to anoint the new king, which he goes to the house of Jesse. They're going to have this big feast. He asks the, the sons to be sanctified before him, and they line up all of the boys. And I always love when I read the first one, he comes to Eliab, and it says he's tall and good looking. Wouldn't that be great to be listed in the Bible? That forever upon ever upon ever, you were listed in the Bible as good looking. And Samuel looks at him and he's thinking, this has got to be the one. This guy looks like a king. And here's what the Lord says in verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, that's the important part. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Samuel, upon not hearing from the Lord, because the Lord was going to speak to him who to anoint, upon not hearing from the Lord, he would have thought it was this guy. This is the guy that looks like a king. No, you know who it was? It was the one that was forgotten about. It was the one that was left out of the sheep, the one that they had to go get, the one that probably nobody thought this would be the king. And the minute he laid eyes on David, he heard from the Lord to anoint David. See, it's not by what I see. It's by what the Lord says. 
So let's get focused just for a minute here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. And I love reading this part every single week, remembering that even though we read about these Old Testament people in faith, our focus and our direction that we point to is always Jesus. So Hebrews 12, 2, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, looking to Jesus. Our example, let's use our example of watching him listen to the Lord. In fact, Matthew 17, verse 5, God says this, this is my beloved son, what does it say? Hear him. One of your trends, in fact, it's the English Standard Version, says, listen to him. So here's what we're to do today. We're to listen to what Jesus has to say. We're to follow what he said to do. We're to follow what he taught us. We're to learn how he acted to people. Because people will say this, you know, I have a prophet gifting. Oh, you do? Yeah, and you know, a lot of the prophets were weird. Yeah, they were. A lot of those Old Testament prophets, they were weird. And so, you know, if I come off gruff and rude, you just need to know that's my prophetic gifting. Well, I always say, that's not how Jesus was. Jesus was rough around, around the religious people that were twisting. But even the rich young ruler that came to him, the, the guy was so disconnected, he was hung up. The Bible says this, Jesus loved him. So don't pull that I'm a prophet and, you know, so I just do weird things. No, no, no. Jesus wasn't weird. He hung out with sinners. He hung out with the priests. He hung out with fishermen. He hung out with everybody. They didn't think he was weird. They wanted him at the party. He's not weird. And so what we've got to come back to is acting and looking and sounding and being like Jesus. That's looking to him. In fact, Jesus says this in John 5, 19. He answers, he says, And most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. Whatever he does, the Son does likewise, in like manner. I only do, here's what Jesus says, I only do, I only say, I only act when I do what the Father tells me to do. And the Father's telling us, you need to listen to this guy. This is the one to listen to. This is the one to tune your voice into. And I love Peter. You know, one of the other ones that I love looking at with the disciples is Peter. Uh, because he's just that brash, jump in, you know, wants to, wants to get in there and do whatever it takes. He's the guy taking the sword to the prayer meeting. Hey, we're having a prayer meeting tonight. Oh, great, I'm going to go get my sword. No, 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 we're praying. I know, you just got to have a sword on you. That's what he does in the garden, right? He's just one of those guys. Here's what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. And I want you to hear this just like he would be telling you today. We didn't follow cunningly devised fables. I thought of that. We didn't make up that let's go to this wedding and let's come up with the story that Jesus does water to wine. Let's come up with the story that he walked on water. Let's come up with the story that he fed these multitudes. Let's come up with stories. No, no, no. He says, we didn't follow cunningly devised fables. 
when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were, what? Eyewitnesses. Peter saw, he touched, he was a part, he denied, he got back in relationship. You know, he was, he was the one out planting churches. I mean, you know, we're talking about Peter. We didn't follow fables. We didn't make up stories. We didn't plant some story of the day just to kind of let it spread out there. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. But then he goes on in verse 19 and he says, but here's what you really need to know. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in the dark place. What is the prophetic word concerned? That's your Bible. That's your Bible. We always go back to what God says in his word. We don't have time to go through all of it, but the, one of the ways that God speaks to you and all of us can do it and all of us can hear from him is he speaks through his word. And remember, it's not just words. It's not a fable. He lets us know these are prophetic words. And you know what they are? Confirmed. They're confirmed for you today. And if you want to listen to what God says, you grab a hold of those words that he says to you. How do you check if somebody tells you something that's off the wall? You go back to what God says. And if God says it's off the wall, let me let you know, it's off the wall. Have you ever heard anything off the wall before? I've heard some really good ones. I could be here all afternoon telling you some great stories. We go back to his word. It's what is confirmed. You know, Solomon said in Proverbs 4, we're to incline our ear. You know, I always get a picture of like leaning in. Incline your ear to understand. Because then he goes on and he starts to mention health comes. In fact, it's going to spring up, but you've got to incline to what he says. So we follow Jesus that Jesus would say this. I'm not doing this on my own. I'm doing what he tells me to do. Everything that he tells me, everything that I've seen, I'm doing. So I know this, when I follow Jesus, he's not acting independently. He's connected in with the Father. Even when Jesus left and sent the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not disconnected from the Trinity. He's speaking the same things as the Father and the Son. And that's why Peter says, you're more assured today to have this prophetic word. So the next time you open your Bible and you read this, don't just read it as words on a page. You read it as God speaking to you. Because God needed a voice in dark days and he raised up Samuel. He needed a little boy to hear from him that would give directions to Eli, and only this little one would, but the little one listened and said what God says. God needs people today in our day to listen to what he says and not be afraid to say what he says. But we do it in love because that's exactly how Jesus does it because we're focused in following him. Bow your heads if you would with me today. Lord, we start first and we would say these words that 
all throughout the Bible, you never gave up on your people. There were times that you had a thought. Moses reminded you of your covenant. You're a covenant God. You don't break your word. And you love people anyways. Those that were ungodly, those that worshiped idols, you love them anyways. And even today, as Peter says, you are so long-suffering. You're not willing that any perish, but that all would come to repentance in you. So, Father, we pray today first that, Lord, we would incline our ear to hear from you. And that we would learn from the prophet Samuel that heard your voice and that would proclaim what you said. You would use him to lead kings. You would use him to take a king out, but to raise up another one. You would put him in times that would seem to be so difficult, but you never, ever left him alone. You always gave him what to say. But you sent your son Jesus that we could look to him, that as we follow him and we read what he said, we watch how he responded, that that's our focus, that's our heart, that's our desire, that we're not following a fable fairy tale, we're following promises proven over and over again that are covenant promises. So Lord, we incline our ear, teach us, we thank you that the Holy Spirit is there to teach us, encourage us, to direct us, to lift us up, and we'll be people that listen to your voice. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, amen. Last week, I had received a message through Facebook, and it was from a lady that I met probably about a year and a half ago, and had seen her on two different occasions. Um, she's friends with a friend of mine. She's a bit older, and uh, she moved out of state a year ago. And I get this message on Facebook, and she says, Michelle, um, I want to talk to you about a particular subject that I'm struggling with. Um, can we talk on the phone this week? And so I messaged her my number, and we talked this week. And it was on a particular social issue that we're currently facing, in our world today, it's that acronym LGBTQ XYZ. Every other every other letter you want to put with it because <laughs> you can't keep up. They're always adding another. And uh, she's a believer. She's been in ministry the whole nine. And she said, "Will you walk me through?" And I said, "Okay." I said, "Well, this is what I know, and it's what." was preached today I can only hang my hat on one thing and it's called the word and we're living in days that if you don't have your own coat rack hear me church we are living in days that if you don't have your own coat rack and it's called this, this, it's called the word, W-O-R-D, capital W-O-R-D. That is the coat rack, the only coat rack 
that you can hang your hat on, that you can hang your life on, on any social issue, on any issue you are facing in your life, on the issue that I face in my own with my dad in a memory care facility. I have to revisit this coat rack almost daily to tell me that his word says, by his stripes, Roger Cross is healed and whole. That is the only coat rack. It is the only coat rack that you can hang your hat on for your own healing. It's the only coat rack you can hang your hat on for financial situations. The word is clear. Give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together and running over. It's the only coat rack you can hang your hat on. If you're lacking wisdom in a particular situation, in James it says to ask for wisdom and he'll liberally give it to you. Are you facing things in your life that you need the wisdom of God to direct your steps? Are you living in 2019 where there are social issues out the wazoo? And it seems like the word of the Lord is rare. But I am telling you, it is not rare in my world. You want to know why? Because Michelle Cross Hofflin has decided that this is the coat rack that she hangs her life on. And so the world that orbits around me will hear the word of the Lord. And so in your world, the world that orbits around you, the word of the Lord should not be rare. It is time for you to open your mouth and be the Samuel of your day. But the Lord spoke to Jennifer and her world was different. That means the people that orbit around you, eternities look different because Jennifer is in their world. The same with you, Tina. Francisco, the students that you get to minister to, their worlds should look different because the word of the Lord is on you and in you. Scott, the same for you. In the park, the men that you get to minister to, their worlds should look different because the word of the Lord resides on the inside of you. This is not the day or the hour for us to be quiet. It is the day and the hour to stand up and rise up in love. Because without love, it means nothing. In love, declare the word of the Lord. I had this picture yesterday when we had table talk down in Brea. I am not a dancer by any stretch of the imagination. I got no rhythm zero zilch but as us ladies were talking I just kept getting this picture and I don't even watch this show folks you know that show called Dancing with the Stars 
I don't even watch it, but I know they do paddles, you know, one to 10 or whatever it is. And I got this picture of us just being in sync with Jesus. Because I guess when you're dancing with somebody, there's one that is the lead. And when you dance in rhythm, you're just kind of following the lead. And I just got this picture of the paddles going up in a 10, just a 10, because we just follow his lead. Speak when he leads you to speak. Put your arm around somebody when the Lord just says, touch their back. You know, it sounds silly, but how many times in the park, when was the last time somebody just felt their back padded in love? When was the last time you were walking by somebody and you just said, Jesus loves you. You're beautiful. Just dance. However you dance. I don't know. Your dance might look different than mine. Whatever it looks like, just dance. And be the word of the Lord in the world around you. Amen? You got a coat rack? Do you got a coat rack? I encourage you to hang your hat and hang your life. He's got much to be done in your world. And because you're in your world, it should look different. Amen? Well, it's been a good day in God's house. Would you agree? Amen. Next week, we are going to celebrate Father's Day. Bring the men in your life to church. They need to be here. And we want to love on them and bless them. And we have a gift for every dad in the house next week. And uh, don't forget to pick up a card. Put something in a card to bless Stephen Mel and the Martin family as they get ready to go. Bless them as they begin the journey that God's called them to. And uh, have a fabulous week. We love seeing your face. You are family to us, and we love you very much. God bless.